Section 20 of Atlantic Narratives, Modern Short Stories, published 1918, by the Atlantic Monthly Press. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The One Left, by E. V. Lucas, Part 1. He had become very ill, could hardly move from where he lay, and she, who loved him, and was to have married him, and spent all her waking hours in thinking what she could do for him, persuaded him to have a telephone installed and brought to his bedside so that he and she could talk, and he could talk with others too. Every night he rang her up, and they had a long conversation, many times in the day also. Nothing, as it happened, could have saved his life, but this modern device lightened his last weeks. His death, although it blasted her hopes, made no difference to her devotion she merely installed his memory in the place of his rich personality and loved that he almost more than ever was her standard what he would have liked she did what he would have disliked she left undone although dead he swayed her utterly and under his dominion she was equable and gentle although broken at heart she took all things as they came since how could anything matter now that everything that mattered was over one perplexity only had power to trouble her and that was the wonder the amazement the horror not only that so much knowledge and kindliness and sympathy and all that made for the world's good and happiness should be so wantonly extinguished but that no touch of the vanished hand should be permitted to the one soul now left behind with whom his soul had been fused this she could neither understand nor forgive religious she had never been in the ordinary sense although such religion as must sway a true idealistic lover was hers but now she broke even from such slender ties as had held her to orthodoxy she threw off the creed of her parents as naturally and simply as if it were a borrowed garment and sank into her sorrow which was also her joy without another thought of here or hereafter so it went on for a year or so during which time his house had remained empty save for a caretaker for she who was rich could not bear that any one else should live there and his room exactly as he had died in it part two one evening she dined out her next neighbour on one side was a young american engineer and in their conversation they came in time to the topic of invention and the curious attitude for inventiveness shown by the american race it was a case said the engineer of supply following demand all americans regard time and labor-saving appliances and they obtained them where servants abounded and there was no servant problem as in england and on the continent the need for such contrivances was not acute and so on the conversation thus begun reached at last specific inventions and the engineer told of a remarkable one which had come under his notice just before he left new york you will probably not believe me he said the thing sounds incredible but then who would have believed once that there could be a telegraph and still less a telephone who would have believed that the camera would ever be anything but a dream i will tell you what this is it is a machine in which you insert a portion no matter how small of a telephone wire and by turning a handle you compel this piece of wire to give back every message that has ever passed over it she held her heart this really exists she forced herself to ask actually said the engineer but when i left home the inventor was in a difficulty all the messages were coming out all right 
but backwards naturally the reproduction would be from the most recent to the less recent by writing down the words and then reversing them the investigator could of course get at what he was wanting i may say that the invention is for the new york police but my friend is convinced that he can devise some mechanical system of reversing at the time which will make the messages read forward as they should just think of the excitement of the detective listening through all the voices and ordinary conversations on the wire for the one voice and the one sentence that will give him his long-desired clue but are you ill no no she said although her face was a ghastly white no it is nothing the room is a little hot tell me some more about your inventive friend is he wealthy indeed no said the engineer that is his trouble if he had more money or if he had some rich backers who believed in him he might do wonders i should like to help him she said this kind of work interests me could you not cable him to come over and bring the thing with him i would gladly finance him i want some sporting outlet like that for my money cable yes cable there are things that one does by impulse or not at all the butler here will get your form part three she had been to the empty house that day with an employee of the telephone company and he had extracted a foot of the precious wire a few minutes ago she had held it in her trembling fingers and placed it in the machine now she carefully locked the door and drew the heavy curtain over it and carried the machine to the farthest corner of the room there with a sigh of relief and tense and almost terrible anticipation she sat down and placed her ear to the receiver and began to turn the handle his voice sounded at once are you there it was quite clear so clear and unmistakable and actual that her hand paused on the handle and she bowed her throbbing head she turned on are you there the familiar tones repeated and then the reply yes who is it in a woman's voice then he spoke again ernest he said is it helen again her hand paused helen that rubbishy little woman he had known all his life and was on such good terms with she remembered now that she had been away when the telephone was installed and others had talked on it before her it could not be helped she had meant to be the first but circumstances prevented there must be many conversations before she came to her own she would have to listen to them all she turned on and the laughing chaffing conversation with this foolish little helen person repeated itself out of the past now so tragic to other talks with other friends and now and then with a tradesman she had to listen but at last came her hour is it you she heard her own voice saying knowing it was her own rather by instinct than by hearing is it you but i know it is how distinctly you speak yes it's me and the soft vibrant love how are you dear better i hope have you missed me missed you and then the endearments the confidences the hopes and fears the plans for the morrow the plans for all life as she listened the tears ran down her face but still she turned on and on sometimes he was so hopeful and bright and again so despairing she remembered the occasion of every word once she had dined out and had gone to the theatre it was an engagement she could not well refuse it was an amusing play and she was in good spirits she rang him up between the acts and found him depressed hurrying home she had settled down to talk to him at her ease how it all came back to her now are you there my dearest yes but oh so tired so old it is a bad day 
everyone has been complaining of tiredness today you say that because you are kind just to comfort me it's no use i can see so clearly sometimes i shall never get well tonight i know it my darling no and then silence complete terrifying she had rang up without effect he had fainted she thought and had dropped the receiver she was in a fever of agony she leaped into a cab and drove to his house the nurse reassured her he had begun to sob and didn't want her to know it and now he was asleep but there was no sleep for her that night what if he were right if he really knew in her heart she feared that he did with the rest of her she fought that fear as she listened the tears ran down her face but still she turned on and on she sat there for hours before the last words came the last he was ever to speak over the wire it was to make an engagement he had rallied wonderfully at the end and was confident of recovery she was to bring her modiste to his room at eleven o'clock the next morning with her patterns that he might help in choosing a new dress he had insisted on it the dress she was to wear on his first outing at eleven he had said mind you don't forget but then you'd never forget anything good night once more my sweet good night she had never seen him again alive he had died before the morning she put the machine away and looked out of the window the sun had risen the sky was on fire with the promise of a beautiful day worn out she fell asleep to wake to what to such a wakening as there is for those who never forget anything part four every night found her bending over the machine she had learned now where not to listen she had timed the reproduction absolutely and watch in hand she waited until the other messages were done and her own voice began there was no condensing possible one must either each time have every conversation or stop it but how could she stop it before the end locking the door and drawing the heavy curtain she would sit down in the far corner and begin to turn she knew just how fast to turn for others so slowly for herself when the watch gave her the signal she would begin to listen is that you is that you but i know it is how distinctly you speak yes it's me and the soft vibrant love how are you dear better i hope have you missed me missed you end of story biographical and interpretive notes by charles swain thomas evie lucas is an english essayist a lover and biographer of lamb known for many delicate and appreciative essays and for books of travel in familiar places it is seen occasionally only that mr lucas addresses himself to fiction this admirably written story so brief as to be little more than a sketch is rich in emotional values which are safely held within the bonds of restraint scientifically i am told there is nothing wrong in the description of the ingenious device which provides the means for the expression of the emotion though readers unfamiliar with such devices may question the verisimilitude of the action it is but one instance among thousands which provide modern literature with a broadened range within the field of realism. End of section twenty. Recorded by Julian Niedermeyer.